0: Everybody say, God bless sister, elder sister Dubbett. <laughs> oh. Yes, you do. I got to be quiet.
1: Well, last week when he said I was going to speak, Brother Rivera said, Tell it all. So Uh-oh. he gave me permission to tell no, it all. No,
0: <laughs> don't but tell I, it all. I
1: turned back to him and I said, They haven't allotted me that much time. Oh. <laughs> but God is good so probably a lot of you have um, seen the commercial on television about so what's in your wallet well my message is so what's in your legacy so my main text (coughs) is out of Deuteronomy chapter 6 it's a very familiar scripture so what is a legacy so I looked it up and it said anything that's handed down from the past <clears throat> That's a simple definition. Deuteronomy 6 1 says, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that you might do that you might do them in the land whithersoever you possess it. So a command, again I'll refer to Brother Vera being in the military, he knows what a command is. <clears throat> it's direct with a specific authority behind it. To issue an order or orders, an order given by one in authority. So God is our ultimate authority. Yeah. Verse 2 says, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commands, which I command thee, thou, thy sons, and thy sons' sons, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. So there's the legacy. To your sons, to your sons' sons and so on. <clears throat> it is the responsibility of every generation to pass on the commandments of the Lord. Verse 3 starts out by saying, Hear therefore O Israel, and observe to do it. In other words he's saying, Listen up, take notice, and do it. Yeah. What is so important? To know that there's only one God. That's right. Right. And from verse 5, To love Him and serve Him with all of our being verse 6 lets us know that these words were to be in our hearts that means the closest thing to us moms, it's our children okay but then that we would have his word in our hearts and in our lives and to be able to understand who he is a lot of people worship Jesus or so they say but do they really know him do they know who he is Verse 7 says to teach these commandments diligently. And that would mean a constant effort to accomplish something, to be done or pursued with persevering attention. Got to keep up with it. Talk about the things of God every part of the day that you're with them. Use these things as teaching points, as Sister Kathy said this morning. Throughout the day, whether you're baking with your kids or uh, mowing the grass, you teach them the ways of the Lord. Here's a scripture that our children had heard at some point in their life, John three nineteen. It says, "As this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, that men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil." A little story when we lived in Toledo, Ohio, uh, it was those days when you only had one car in the family. You, know, you didn't have cell phones, so we were walking to the library, and as we walked by, we passed. A bar, a saloon, whatever you want to call it. Um, And their door was open, so you could see inside this saloon, this bar. And it was very dark in there, except for some little hanging lights, you know, decorative lights. And so as we walked by, my kids said, that is evil. Because they recognized that darkness, that it represented an evil place, that evil things were going on there. Our children who are in public schools spend more time during the day with their teachers rather than their parents. The teachers may not be a bad person, and they are helping them learn that 2 plus 2 equals 4 most of the time. But they are of the world, and they're teaching them of a lot of the worldly values. So the time that you spend with your children is very important. What you put into your children is what's going to hopefully you. Read what you said. Right, right. remember the story about Moses as a very young child his mother put him in, into his heart and mind that there was only one true God she only had him for a short while probably during the time until he was weaned and then she knew there was going to come a time that she had to turn him back over to Pharaoh's daughter, who had rescued him out of the low basket so she had to put in his heart and his mind that there was one true God She knew there was going to come time. She had to turn loose of those streets. Same way with with parents. There comes a time they're going to be set loose. They're going to be in the public schools. They're going to be working jobs. They're going to be brushing shoulders with ungodly people. In many places, it's very ungodly. But to have it in their heart that I know there's one God, and I know that he is the mighty God in Christ. That they can stand upon that solid foundation. I think perhaps if Jochebed had not put that into the heart of her son Moses, maybe God couldn't have used him to free the people, to set them free from Egypt. And we know that Egypt represents sin. Um, Dropping down to verse 20 says When our children ask what all this means, we can tell them that without God we were in sin. But because of accepting God in our lives, we're free. We are not bound by the traditions of the world. The Bible says that we are free indeed. That means free from the actions, the things of the world. Free in our gestures. I don't have to act like the world. I don't have to talk like them. I don't have to dress like them. Because I'm free. I'm not bound to look like so-and-so or to act like so-and-so or go where they go. I don't have to worry about that. I am who I am because of the grace of God. I don't live this way because I have to because my son is my pastor. People say, how does that work? You're his mother. Yeah, but he's my pastor and he has the overseen of my soul. So I have to be respectful of that. Verse 25 says, and it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. Other verses that show our responsibility to our children are, and I know we've all heard in Proverbs 22.6, to train up a child in the way he should go. Training takes work and effort. When you're trained in military, you're trained for that 5K that we do, Gospel Go, you've got to do some training. You've got to work up to it. Why are we to train them? We train them because Proverbs 22:15 says, Bully trust is bound in the heart of the child. Yeah. <laughs> yes, amen. But the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. <laughs> you know, we don't have to teach our kids to lie. We don't have to teach them to be mean or bullies. It just comes out at some point. You know, it's just born within them. Another good example of legacy in the Bible was found in Second Timothy 1:5. Paul was speaking of his son in the Lord. Um, you might say his protege. You know, somebody he was training, mentoring, disciple making. When I call to remember is the unframed faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded in thee also. Our responsibility as parents and grandparents is to diligently work at passing on this great salvation. My last scripture here is uh, Proverbs 16.31. It says, The hoary head is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. So when I looked in the dictionary for hoary head, it said gray or white, time worn, lot of mileage. Been there, done that. (laughs) I'm time more, and I have a lot of mileage on me. I may be time-worn at days, but it's not over yet. I'm still standing. The enemy of my soul has tried to knock me down several times. Several times. But I'm still standing. The greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. So I could have stood here and told you how wonderful I think my children and grandchildren are because you know I do. My wonderful mother-in-law would have told you. Grandma Dunn loved to talk about her kids and her grandkids. Um, you, We would be the first to know that our kids are not perfect. Pastor reminds us that he's not perfect. We're not in a perfect church. We all have flaws and we're all continually pressing towards Mark, reaching for the prize of the high quality. Um, with God's help, we're trying to overcome those flaws yes. day by day. But I will tell you how grateful and how blessed I am to have a strong daughter who has come overcome many obstacles in her life. <laughs> Through her 13 surgeries, And facing those rough teenage years, but having confidence to be who she is, to know who she is through Jesus, to know her strength comes from God to do her best, to see that this truth was instilled in her prized possessions. They're sitting right here. Her boys. My boys, she says. My boys. Now they're young men. (laughs) They're not perfect. But Grammy loves him with all her heart. Then I'm blessed with a son who loves, teaches, and preaches this precious truth to carry on this legacy passed down from his father and his grandfather and now to his prized possessions, Julia, Jasmine, and Ashton. Well, he's baby bear. I mean, Ashton. (laughs) To also be blessed with a wonderful daughter-in-law who loves and believes this truth and who serves God together with her husband. Then I'm sure I could spend hours telling you about my grandchildren, but I won't, because you know I do that anyway. John Wayne and Kyle, the first two were on the scene. Close enough in age and size, they were always mistaken for twins. These little guys who sucked their phones and carried around their blankets I've grown into handsome young men. And the second one's about to graduate here soon. So very proud of you. Very proud of you. And you know I love you with all my heart. Then the two princesses arrived. <laughs> Julie and Jasmine. Now we could do all the pink and frilly things. I had enough of those trucks. <laughs> it blessens my heart to see these two beautiful young ladies working for the kingdom and serving God, making cakes so she can go to Greece. Jazzy up here singing. My word, she was so backward, you couldn't get her to stand up with the group.
0: Now she's up there
1: singing. Hallelujah. (laughs) I sit back and I'm blessed. I'm blessed to see them work for the kingdom. And then last of all came baby bear. This little guy stole the hearts of everybody from his sisters even, who just Googled over their little baby brother, to Aunt Tiffy. You know, her Aunt Tiffy. He uh, got spoiled by Aunt Tiffy and still does somehow. (laughs) One day, Ashton said, I'm not a baby anymore. Sadly, I said, I know, you're right. Now I will call you my big boy bear. (laughs) As a family We've been through rough struggles and situations, just as many of you have. Things that you face, things that hit your family that you think only by the grace of God that you're still standing, you know. It's been the foundation laid before us by the word of God and knowing He is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life within us. So wherever you are in this path of life, it's never too late to work diligently on the responsibility of passing on this marvelous truth. What we have is precious. What we have sets us free. It's our life. Anything that we need, it's in here. Raising our children, facing struggles in our lives. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. We're out of the sea, hard times, and situations in our life that a lot of people just give up. Yeah. You know, say, oh God, you're not a good God. You wouldn't have let this happen to me. You know, but to know, uh, one of my former pastors had written Strength Through Struggle. You know, you uh, don't have a testimony unless you have a test to go through. But I love this church. I tell everybody, I don't just tell them first off that my pastor's my son, and I, I just say, we've got a great church. We've got awesome families here that love God and we're just real we just want to be real because God has been good to us so take this word and keep it in our hearts the closest thing to us but to instill it in our children our grandchildren the Sunday school children you know we want them to have this word in their hearts and their lives because it's what will take us out of here take us to heaven Thank you. I love this church. I love all of you. We love you,
0: baby. <laughs> Whew. Like that one well. Could have, it could have been much worse. Um, I'm so thankful for uh, my family, for my mother, and... Uh, for my wife, who is a great mother, and for her mother, who has been a great mother. And, uh, amen. I'm just thankful. You know, I, I had two women in mind, um, for this Sunday. And, uh, so Kathy was speaking this morning, and I realized who this morning's was. And then, um, I, I, I Wasn't sure how I didn't know what my mom was going to say. I didn't know what Kathy was going to say. But God kind of put these two mothers from the Scripture in my heart. This morning I talked about Samson's mother, and uh, just a little bit there about how uh, you know Samson's mom was um, in tune with what needed to happen for Samson to become who he was supposed to become. And then he didn't become really all of who he could have become because he didn't. he, he kind of made bad decisions. But in the end of his life, he came back to where he knew he he should have been in the first place. It took him a while to get there. But I want to just kind of for just a a few minutes here to close us out, I want to talk about Naomi. And many of you have probably heard about Naomi. um, But if you have read the story of Ruth, if you want, you can turn to the book of Ruth. We won't read a whole lot. But I just want to share a little bit about this. And I, I really honestly, I couldn't have planned it any better. As far as legacy, um, what's in your legacy? So uh, Naomi, the story of Ruth is that Naomi. Uh, if you start reading in chapter one of the book of Ruth, uh, you read basically that Naomi and her family flee to the country of Moab because of the famine in the land, and her husband. After uh, just a little while, her husband dies. And then she has two sons, and her two sons marry Moabite women. uh, And the two Moabite women are Orpah and Ruth. And so after ten years, and and a lot of times we look at the book of Ruth and we really read about Ruth, and Ruth is the main character of the story, but I, I began to look at this this week as how Ruth was, uh, she's a very important in the story. And don't don't get me wrong, don't miss out. But I I tried to put myself or, or think about what Naomi had to go through. So Naomi, after ten years, after her sons get married, both of her sons die. So her husband's dead now, and both of her sons are dead. And now she's in a foreign land, you know, living uh, with her two daughters-in-law. And so uh, the Naomi heard. After these ten years, after her sons died and they're living in the land, that God had blessed her homeland and that there was food there again, and so uh, she told her daughters-in-law that they could return home and find new husbands. And you know, the the custom was like if you had another brother that was younger, he could take that, that uh, you know that woman to wife because that was just their custom. Well, there were no more sons, and and Naomi told her daughters-in-law, "I don't have any more sons." And they were like, we're not going to leave you. We want to stay with you. And she's like, I don't have any more sons to give you. And in the culture that they lived in, uh, they really needed husbands to provide for them. And so the situation that they were in, Naomi knew if she would go back, she could probably be, be taken care of because she was a widow. And so she knew that her going back, she would be taken care of, but she wasn't sure about her uh, daughter's-in-law. And so she tells them, you need to go and just stay with your people, go back to your mom's house, find new husbands, and, and everything will be good. And you can, you know, when, when you understand that Naomi's, uh, Naomi's name, it, it kind of refers to sweetness or a sweet disposition, you can kind of see that Naomi was probably a sweet woman who had to go through a lot in life. But one of the things that I I pulled out of this story, uh, they both are weeping as she's saying, you need to go back. And so Orpah kisses uh, Naomi and tells her, okay, I'm going to go back. You're you're right, this is probably the best thing. I don't want to do this, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. And so Orpah returns to her people and to her gods. But Ruth says, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be My people, and your God, My God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with Me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and Me. Ruth was already learning from Naomi's disposition. She was learning from Naomi's faith, even during a time of great sorrow and bitterness. Naomi continued to watch out for Ruth, to try to do what was best, Uh, for her daughters-in-law and for her family. And so... Uh, she instructed her wisely as you as you see them, they come back and Ruth is there with Naomi and she advises her about going and gleaning. There was a, a, a law that would allow them if they didn't have a, a provider that they could go and they could glean when the fields were harvested. That they, they wouldn't be able to harvest all the fields. They said leave the corners for the gleaners. And so the gleaners could come and they could have grain. It was basically God's way of taking care of the people that didn't have anything. And, and so he made a way for, uh, for, for Ruth and for Naomi to, to receive food. And so after a, a few times of this, you, you find that uh, Ruth is, is being blessed and she, she meets this guy named Boaz and Boaz is uh, he's good to her and, and he starts saying, you know, don't just leave just a little bit, let's pile some up over there for her to take. And so, you know, Ruth comes back to Naomi and she's like, look at all this. And, and, and Naomi starts flipping out. She's like, where did you get all this? This is more than what should have been on the corner of the field. This is, this is a lot. And so, you know, Ruth doesn't have any clue what's going on. Ruth is like, she's kind of, you know, she's not ditzy, okay, at all. But, but she's kind of clueless. This is not her people. These are not her customs. She's only doing what Naomi told her to do and what Naomi instructed her to do so that they could live. So she goes and she starts getting blessed and she says, who is this? Who's, who's this that's blessing you? Well, lo and behold, it just happened to be a distant relative. And so there, there was a deal with uh, with relatives that if somebody was destitute, like somebody had lost their husband or they were in a, in a bad, bad way like Naomi and Ruth, uh, that they could be redeemed. They could be brought back into the family. And basically they could be saved by one of these kinsmen by one of these people that was related to them. And so Naomi advises Ruth and says, I want you just to kind of make yourself available. Just you know, just be there. Just kind of hang out there. Make sure that they see you. And, and, and gave her a lot of wise instruction about keeping her kind of in Boaz's eye. And uh, so Boaz uh, talks to her and finds out, they come to find out that Boaz is her kinsman, but he's, he's not the closest one. And the closest one would have had the rights to redeem, uh, Naomi, or to redeem Ruth, because Ruth wasn't uh, of their, their culture, wasn't of their lineage, and so uh, she says, you know, you need to stick around, and so she sticks around, and she sticks around, and she's faithful, and she does everything that Naomi tells her, and then, you know, the story is awesome, because Boaz has to ask the closer kinsman, the closer family member, would you like to redeem? No, I don't, I don't have anything to do that. That's That's a Moabite woman. I don't have anything to do with her. But what is so beautiful about the story is that uh, Ruth then is betrothed to by uh, Boaz. And Boaz becomes... Uh, Ruth's kinsman redeemer, which basically brings her into the Jewish culture, brings her into the family, back into the family. Even though she had had a husband that was in uh, Naomi's family, she technically wasn't even family. She technically didn't have all the rights that the Jewish people would have had or even in their culture. She was basically at the graces of everybody else. But what happened was Boaz brought Ruth into that relationship, that right relationship, by being her kinsman redeemer, and I want to just kind of end this with with this awesome uh, little, you know, just I, maybe you knew this, but if you didn't know this, this insight. So the Lord blessed Naomi. I like this. She gains a son when Boaz marries Ruth, and Ruth and Boaz had a child. And the woman of the land said to Naomi, "Praise be to the Lord, who has this day." not left you without a guardian redeemer. May He become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and is better to you than seven sons, has given Him birth. Ruth 4.17 tells us, the name of the child was Obed, who was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David, who would be the king. And did you know that David is the king in the lineage of Jesus Christ. So the connection of Boaz to Ruth, Boaz being Ruth's kinsman redeemer, ended up being an even greater legacy than any of the women of the town could have imagined at that time. Because that connection brought about Obed, which brought about Jesse, which brought about King David, which several generations later brought Jesus Christ. Isn't that powerful? What a legacy. What was Naomi's legacy? Naomi's legacy was she followed her husband faithfully, even when they even when they left the, God, the people of God. Even when they went away, even when every there was a famine that was so bad it drove them away from God's people. But whenever she heard she heard that there was food, whenever she heard that it was better, she came back, she purposed to come back. And when she came back, she had been sweet enough and kind enough and nice enough of a person that Ruth said, "I'm coming with you." I've got the privilege, and I, I say it's a privilege because it really is. I have the privilege of having a great mother, a great mother-in-law and a great wife in my life. so I really don't know I don't know what a lot of men go through. I know that there are some men that they you know, it's rough because their wives are just contentious all the time and uh, there's all kinds of turmoil in their house I, I don't know what that's like all I know is what it's like to have good women in my life and we're raising two, two beautiful daughters I got uh, Julia and Jasmine that are just awesome and uh, Ashton I'm sure he's going to make a great, great husband to somebody someday but I have I've come to the conclusion that it's very important it's very important Don't don't worry about that mom now. Don't think about that at all. I know, baby bear, don't think about it. But there is a legacy that is developed by who you are. It's, It's about not just preaching to your kids and teaching your kids, but being with your kids. There was never a doubt, you heard me say it before, there was never a doubt if we were going to church. There was never a doubt what we believed. There was never a doubt. We nev- I never had to question that. And I hope that as my children continue to get older, they don't have doubts and they don't have questions about what we believe, about what we know. I know one thing's for certain, they know we're for real. We're the same people in the pulpit, up here on the platform as we are when we're at the restaurant, at the house. What you see is what you get. I think that's why Ruth went with Naomi. I think there was no pretense there. It wasn't like, eh, maybe, maybe not. Orpah, I don't know, maybe she just had in her heart, she just, well, maybe it'll be easier if I don't have to go depend on other people. Maybe it'll be easier if I just go out and try to do my own thing. But Ruth said, no, I've learned there's something to this. There's something special about this. And so, as I think back over my life, my mother, my grandmother, my life, I've had a wonderful example. And I'm thankful for the legacy that has been left to me and I, I know that we are leaving for our children. Let me just encourage you today. If you've walked away from God, You've walked away from the things of God and you said, you know what, I'm just not being fed like I need to. Things are just not going the way. Just don't forget that this is real. This is real. This is the real thing. There are bad churches. There are bad preachers. There are bad people in this world. There are really bad leaders. But not every preacher is bad. Not every church is bad. Amen. Not every experience that you've ever had. Maybe I'm talking to somebody who's watching on the live stream right now. Not every experience you've ever had at a church is bad. But the devil will use whatever he can to bring a famine of spiritual things in your life and send you moving the other direction. Let me just encourage you. There's food in the house. Amen. Come back today. Amen. Would you stand with me? What kind of legacy will you leave? Naomi decided that she would leave a legacy that would impact for generations and she could not have known that it would even bring about Jesus Christ. But you are here today, and God's got His hand upon your life and upon your family. You might think it's by accident, just totally out of the ordinary, but you you, you just can't imagine what God can do if you'll be open to Him today. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to just open up this altar, turn this whole place into an altar. If you want to talk to God, if you want to say, God, help me leave a legacy that will matter. Help me leave a, a, a legacy that will touch lives and change generations for years to come. I open up this whole place as an altar to you today. You can come forward or you can stay right where you are. But let's talk to God for a few moments. Come